Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Excuse me. What are you doing? Working out. Pretending to be the Incredible Hulk? No. Hey, thanks. That's kind of a compliment. You looking at the pythons here? I was actually referring more to the sort of um, posturing and kind of huffing and puffing. At least your shirt isn't torn into pieces like it normally is. Hey. Okay, okay, okay. We won't talk about your clothing right now. That's a completely different subject. (laughs) What are you doing? Working out? I mean, I know you're working out, but this seems different. I'm working out my lava-crushing muscles. Lava crushing muscles? Well, yeah. We're soon to be crushing lava in Hawaii to make a little home for ourselves. Oh, yes. Living on lava, that is definitely a possibility in our future. Yeah. Very uh, real and clear and present possibility, I would say. Yeah. I mean, gosh. Boy, by the time people hear this, we'll be in Hawaii. Yeah. Boy, you're right. We'll be crushing lava. Aloha. I'll be eating pineapple while you crush lava. Kind of just sitting there yeah. in a bikini, watching me crush Not lava. Not quite like that, no. Oh. More like relaxing in the shade with a cool and refreshing you know, drink or something. While I sweat and chunks of lava exactly. cut into me. And I'll and remind you of this very moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. Okay. Well, so <laughs> living on lava seems a little crazy. It does. Someone said to me the other day, they said, Kenton, it's, it's just silly. What are you doing? You're going to live on basically an active lava flow. Are you, are you cracked? Yeah. Well, yes, you should say I am, but not in that exact fashion. I've always been different, special, one might say. No, I mean, I guess it's true. I think the tough thing is, is that there's lots of different kinds of volcanoes in the world. And sometimes when you tell people... Yeah, I'm going to live like in Lava Zone 1 in Hawaii, which means that that's like they don't insure you there because it's so likely to have lava flow. People can get the wrong idea, but it's still lava. Well, yeah. I remember when I was younger, (sighs) handsomer. Can we? What is going on with you? (laughs) I remember when I was younger, I thought about the people that live in California. And I thought, are you guys, seriously, you are on a fault. You're living on an earthquake fault. But that's not their fault. (laughs) Get it? This is terrible. What are we doing? (laughs) I don't know. You would think it's the middle of the night, but it's not. (laughs) And, And I just thought, that is silly. And yet, now here I find myself going to live. Uh, on an active volcano. You know, I had a friend who lived in Texas once, and constantly, whenever I would call her, not whenever, but it felt like every third time, she'd be like, oh, I'm in my bathroom right now because there's a tornado warning. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, who would want to live where there's constantly tornadoes and you'd have to be in your bathroom all the time? But now here we are, going to live on lava. Yeah, we are. And i got to admit, I've been pondering this in myself a little bit. Like, okay, Cotton, you had those feelings about people that lived in California or let's say people that live down in New Orleans and, and oh, come yeah. on, this is it is <laughs> built below sea level people. But the more I looked around, that 
I saw that, well, first of all, there are risks all over the place. I have to wave my hand here and point out that living in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, there's a serious danger there. I'm not talking about potential forest fires or flooding or tornadoes or some of the things that have happened. We're talking about Lyme disease, which is rampant. Bitsy deer ticks that give you Lyme disease, which (laughs) which is so bad that when you go to the doctor and you say, oh, you know, I think it might be Lyme, they say, oh, well, let's make sure because there's so much Lyme around here. I mean, it is rampant. Yeah, it really is. There you have that danger. You're in the the middle of the country and tornadoes rip through there mm-hmm. you know it's been interesting we've been driving back and forth a lot from northern wisconsin down to minnesota to wrap things up and that was it wasn't a tornado that went through but some straight line winds and there is a swath of devastation where trees were just shredded oh for, my gosh i want to say that goes on it's 20 miles wide I, I it was a long way. Long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very different landscape. Went across now. the whole top of the state over to. I mean, is yeah. there? This is the question we have to ask ourselves: Is there a safe place? Let's, presumably, let's say you find a place geographically that's somehow safe, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have, oh, let's say, negative forty degree temperatures in the winter, or massive amounts of snow, or Lyme disease, or etc. Then we've got you know people. Are you going to like your neighbors? Are they going to be the kind of people that you really can build a community around? Because that's important, too. This is all about risk and what that means in our lives. You know, we we live with certain risks. We've talked about this in other episodes from a different angle. But there's certain risks that we just live with. And there's others that we consider to be crazy. And it almost seems kind of a, a personal choice. Some people skydive and they just feel, ah, oh, that's awesome. Where other people look at that and say, that is crazy. That is not worth the risk. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think as we were having a conversation about this the other day, what came to me is that each of us, in a way, is creating our own like, role-playing game, if you will. Hmm. We choose a persona and then we define the parameters of our game. And then oftentimes we believe those parameters are the only true parameters. And yeah. as you said, for you, skydiving might be fine. For me, not so much. So in your game, skydiving is awesome. In my game, it's not. Hmm. And there might be, there's lots of things that we accept. Okay, I'm going to work at a job that I don't like. I'm going to agree to live with a partner that isn't making me happy and I'm not going to communicate and I set those parameters as the rules of the game not realizing that there aren't really any defined rules what's one person's risk is another person's comfort or even excitement but I I have to kind of take your role here so you're usually stepping in and and just pointing things out from a different light and I mean come on living in a lava one zone are we going to go and set up a tent on the freeway next and sleep the night on the freeway? <laughs> I mean, right. is, there, is there a limit to what is a calculated risk and what is just, oh, I don't want to say that, like stupidity. <laughs> I was going to say that too. Something that's stupid? Well, certainly. I mean, you've got those free climbers who are flashing Yosemite or whatever and there's definitely, to me, that's a risk I wouldn't want to take. But I still think that what we're talking about is even deeper than that. Because, again, that's just someone's Mm. comfort level, skill level. 
and ability to say, hey, my life is awesome and if I die, I die. Some people are like that. Hey, why is it like so darn important that I'm going to chain myself maybe to a desk for 40 years and that's not life to me? Mm. So there's that perspective. But I think what's even deeper is this feeling that we can somehow find security, that we'll be able to make a little safe space somehow, when in reality, nothing is for sure. But if we can embrace that, no, we don't have to go put a tent on a freeway, but if we can embrace that, we can realize that being where we are right now is the most important thing. That's what we've got right here, right now. So our culture is always telling us to be to embrace this security. And we have the illusion that we can have it. And it, it lies in, I don't know, getting married and having a good career and a nice house in the suburbs or something like that. But then, of course, we have heart attacks. We get cancer. We get in car accidents. Well, we've talked about the danger, the risk of eating Big Macs all the time. We discover that there's really no safe place. So what is this whole quest for security? And what did Braveheart say? Oh, yeah. Not, how does it go? Every man dies, not every man truly lives. Something like that. So here's this quest for security, which is actually impossible. And yet we're encouraged to try to get this perfect security. But if we did somehow achieve this perfect security, we'd probably be bored out of our minds. <laughs> yeah, like heaven is a padded cell or something like that. Right. Yeah, the beauty of life is that I think somebody talks about this. Alan Watts or something oh, says yeah. the beauty of a flower or a rose is partially in the fact that it will not remain. It's in permanence. It's impermanence. Yes. It's that fleeting, beautiful view of the sky as it opens up after a rainstorm and the light shines down on all of the dripping golden droplets of leaves, rain falling off the leaves. And you know, this is this moment. So again, I come back to this moment, which I know we'll talk about in another episode, I'm sure, all we can do really is realize that life is risky. I wonder if this somehow goes in with our culture's tendency to kind of look at everything as a possession. You know, mm -hmm. my, my wife is my possession, my husband's my possession, but also this moment as if it's something I should own. And try to capture with a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. Like, quick, quick, get the phone. I got to take a picture of this. Oh, I got to take a picture of this. I'm thinking about our last walks up in Everwood on our land. Before and, we said goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And you kept saying, you know, what if we, what if every single walk we went out and we said this may be our last walk on this oh, land. Oh, yes. And we didn't have to possess it. We could just enjoy the experience we were having not have to freeze frame it somehow in life. And this quest for security seems it's it's about freeze framing something. We don't want to get old. We don't want to get hurt. We don't don't... want to have our kids grow up and leave home. Or maybe we do, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are these times and these moments or these people, uh, places, things that we want to have forever, yet we know that it's not. So what if we made friends with 
not necessarily risk, okay, because everybody's different. We've said that there's a sliding scale for people. Mm -hmm. Your game is different than my game. But what if we made friends with the knowledge that there is only flow? And what would it feel like to free ourselves of having to freeze frame everything? Make friends with impermanence. Mm -hmm. Embrace the, the reality of life. And this reality that actually makes life as beautiful and flavorful and spicy as it is. Mm -hmm. So why are we fighting that? I don't know. I think it's very culturally normal to try to be secure in on multiple levels. And how how does one develop a friendship with impermanence? Wow, that's a good question because it goes against everything we've been taught and we're often criticized. You know, people will be criticized as stupid or reckless or thrill seekers if they don't follow that norm, that idea that we must embrace and worship security. Well, but if you think about it, many places in the world, if people just stayed where they were, they never left their homes and they never took a risk, the world would not be the way it is. And it's one thing I think, you know, and this again is my personal opinion from my game perspective of what goes on in my life. It's one thing if my risk taking puts a whole bunch of other people's lives at risk. Mm. That to me feels unfair in a way because they're not getting the choice. That's a very But if good it's point. just me and I'm, let's say, I'm Ernest Shackleton and I'm going to take the endurance on this incredible voyage and I have a bunch of crew members who want to do the same thing. Think of the discoveries, think of the adventures, mm. think of all of the things in the whole world that happened because somebody did take a risk, because somebody wasn't scared. And this this comes way down to just interpersonal relationships. There are people who have been in need of their lives being saved, and everybody else has turned and run away except for one person who said, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to run into that burning building to mm, save that person. Yeah. I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go save that person who just got attacked by a shark. I mean, there's countless stories. So I think of all of human history, it's really, we owe a lot of what we have to people who were not scared of life being uh, impermanent. I've never thought of it that way. But if you think about a lot of the big game changers throughout human history, mm-hmm. they have been major risk takers. Absolutely. They've stepped out of cultural paradigms. They've stepped out of their personal fears and usually gone against the grain. So what does that mean? for you and me and all sorts of other people out there who might not be ready to sail off on well, a big adventure. I mean, some people might be, we are, we're sailing off, quote, sailing off. We're flying off on a big adventure. We've decided to change things up. But what does that mean for us on a normal, regular, everyday basis? What does this mean for us? Yeah. Well, when I think about our situation, at first, of course, it's crazy to live on lava. But that land where we're going for you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there's been no lava flow through there. Mm-hmm. Last year, yes, there was. That goes the same for that swath of devastation yeah. that we or floodplains through, or floodplains. I mean, there hasn't been a tornado through that area in Wisconsin for a very long, very long time, time. Judging by the largeness of the trees. <laughs> and then it came through and crushed mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff in its path. So really, the place we're going is not 
that dangerous. No one died from the lava right. last year. I think there was one injury. And so it, maybe it's not all that crazy and dangerous as risks go. Are we just putting ourselves in harm's way? Well, our children are coming along with us. Mm-hmm. No, and that, that's the whole thing with parenting and, and the but risks that we take get, on there. Our kids get in our car with us every day. Yeah, that's a very good point. So there's, again, it comes back to that episode of what's the real risky thing that's, you know, is it lava or is it a car accident? That's a really good point. Why do we put our children in cars when we know they're so dangerous? And certainly why would we ever give our child a candy bar or mm-hmm. a Big Mac? Or, or a television these... screen? <laughs> anyway, so we digress. I, I like what you're saying. I mean, we are bringing our children with us and they are actually... They are teaching me lessons about living with impermanence. They have not clung to their objects, their home, their land, their friends, yet somehow they honor them. There have been moments of sadness. There have been moments of gratitude, yet they're always excited about where they are. And they're excited about sharing with the people out there, with you, all of you that are listening, with our friends, with our family. They have their whole address book full of their pen pals that they can't wait to write to and tell about their experiences. And I'm just watching them because for me, when I grew up, I was very attached to my home. Mm -hmm. Like my house was my home. And for them, I think they've said this, that our family is our home. And I just really have learned a lot about accepting the moment I'm in and really loving that. I have been too. And I think it's important what you said, that they honor the things in their lives. It's not like they don't love the people in their lives. They cannot wait until like Tante Jen, our friend, comes over. They are so excited. Or or Helen or their cousin that they're seeing now. There's so much excitement and engagement when the people are there. But when the people aren't there, they're not using a lot of energy in, in wanting them to be there when they're not. They're not trying to freeze frame it. There's definitely yeah. moments of sadness. There's definitely, we've all had tears. And yet, I watch them then all of a sudden say, oh my gosh, look at this flower. Wow, come and smell it. Look, there's three bumblebees on it. And each moment, again, it comes back to that. Each moment is a precious moment. Why do we? Why are we only sad when we go away on a big trip or when someone's about to die? I mean, every time I say goodbye to someone or every time I walk through a piece of property that I love with some trees or whatever that's important to me, why am I only sad certain times? Every single time could be the last time for me. Mm. And certainly it will always be different. Everything's changing. Yeah, constantly. Okay. So what does that mean for listeners? How do you, and us too, because we're still on our journey, how do we all cultivate friendship with impermanence? Well, obviously we should hit that in the action points, but I think we can speak to it a little bit in a general way. Okay. Because there's, I feel like we've been taught fear. Mm. Been taught to live a fear-based life. And once we can step back and we can see how our culture has shaped our personalities and the things that we believe are us, Mm -hmm. our our own values, then we can say, hey, is this really my value? And 
And this is a good one to step back and look at because the, the endless quest for security, it really holds us back from a lot. A lot of us will stay in jobs that make sense, quote, even though we're sitting at a, a desk oh, yeah, all day. Even though we might have work-related injuries. Degrading or... our bodies. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll do that for decades when what we really want to do is, is become fishing guides. <laughs> but we are too scared. We've been taught that being fishing guides, even though if we look at the facts, there's plenty of people who make They're a living being quote, successful. fishing guides. Mm -hmm. It's a perfectly viable thing. But somewhere we've bought into this fear-based idea that that's not for us. That's for special people that are somehow luckier or smarter or something. But mm -hmm. I think probably the only er that those people are is a little braver, mm -hmm. a little more courageous. And that is something maybe we could all use more of, is some courage to say, ah, you know what? I'm... I've got this one life. I'm not going to just settle for mm. the, what people have told me makes sense. Mary Oliver, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? Oh my gosh. So the first step then, if I'm hearing you correctly, is awareness. We say, oh, look it, I do crystallize the world. I do have an idea of what I am, of what I should be, of what is safe, of what isn't safe. We have awareness of the beliefs that we hold, and we start to investigate. Oh, look it, I've grown up in a culture that tells me this, but then we ask ourselves questions. Do I believe that? Mm. And we get in there and we start to be a little detective. So the first step is the awareness, and the second step is asking the questions and really being honest about the answers. And if we don't know some of the answers, we get a little bit deeper, we do some research and say, okay, well, I want to do this. Is this viable for me? Is this risky in my, you know, in my little video game <laughs> world? And then we cultivate bravery. And after that, I think it's important to take some step forward. Does this mean you have to quit your job or you have to put up a tent on a freeway? <laughs> Not at all. But I think the call to action here is to notice when we're just plugging along and we are missing that wild and preciousness of life, which is in every moment, wouldn't it be great if you could taste coffee for the first time every time, mm. or you could see the tree in your backyard and all of its autumn glory each time you looked out at it. I mean, we, we lived once in the mountains and there was this beautiful mountain peak. And I remember moving there and thinking, how can everybody just drive by and look at the light on the mountain today? It is phenomenal. And then sure enough, after I'd been there for a year, I was like, yeah, there's the mountain. Hmm. And unless something was a little bit out of the ordinary, a storm cloud or something, it was like, oh, yes, it's beautiful. But what I'm talking about here is cultivating that sense of yes. realizing kind of in a way, the fragility of life, the impermanence of it, and how beautiful that makes each thing that we get to experience. Then we can fall in love with life again, mm. instead of just holding on to these, clinging to these ideas and these crystallizations of life. I, I want to say, my friends, that if you embark on this, it is painful, because we start to look and say, oh, gosh, I... 
I really do want to be a fishing guide. Mm -hmm. That's what I really want. And we let that out of the box and that's going to hurt because we hide those things away mm. so we don't have to look at them. We don't have to think about what's really in our heart. What's mm -hmm. our heart song? What's our dream? Stuff that in a box. Be sensible. Don't be look at sensible. it. Be sensible. Sometimes I think that's maybe the worst advice. Although there are definitely places to be sensible. And there are definitely places where I am sensible. You know, <laughs> I'm the sensible one in the relationship here. <laughs> that's why we are doing our project in Hawaii, 10% each month. And we're not just going to Hawaii and be like, okay, 100% of our food comes from hunting and fishing and foraging because I got to be sensible. But I think you're really getting to the heart of things there with that, that we need to be willing to be scared. And that shows other people it's okay to be vulnerable. And I think willing to hurt because that's the other thing we're taught is that it's not okay to feel pain. Mm. It's not okay to feel sadness. It's not okay to fail and try again and fail and try again yeah. until you figure out what works for you. So then we don't ever try to become mm -hmm. that fishing guide because not only are we scared to do it, but we also don't want to have the pain of what it feels like inside when we fail, mm. when it doesn't work out the way we want. And what's that going to be like? Oh. Yeah. And it's going to break our heart. But I don't think it really does. When you go out and you start embracing this, you take on an adventurous spirit. And failure starts to become not failure, but just a process of learning. Mm. And, oh, okay. It's not that I failed the whole thing. It's that this approach did not work out this time. I learned something from it, and I'm going to take another approach. And I'm coming in with experience. That's the whole beauty of the human race is that we take a risk, we have bravery, and we learn from what doesn't work. <laughs> because mistakes aren't really failures. They're just learning what doesn't work and what does. The woman of our host family, she said someone said to her that as they go back to their land, they're coming with something they didn't have before. Because mm -hmm. it seems like they're coming with so much that, you know, is lost. They're going to their land and there's nothing left. Right. Away. But they're coming with experience. Mm. And they're coming with lessons learned. And that is going to shift things as they approach, approach this new life on the lava. Wow. My gosh. I had no idea this was going to turn into such a conversation. <laughs> I feel like there's so much to it, too, that, I mean, I can just go on and on about this. But I think that we should take a momentary break. You can flex your muscles a little if you want to. <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> I want to say thank you to all of you patrons out there who've taken a risk on supporting us. Because you could spend your well-earned money and energy anywhere, but you're choosing us. And that's really, really special. We really thank you for that. We are learning so many things every single day. And we just want to keep sharing them with you. And we want to hear from you, all of you listeners, what you're learning too in your life as you go along. So I just have to have a shout out there. Everybody who's supporting us through Patreon and PayPal, you're making a huge difference, not just for us, but for everybody who's listening. Woohoo! <laughs> who gets to say it? You can say it. I can say it. You've never said it. Okay, I have to try to get it right. 
your time has come for oh gosh, gonna get releasing <laughs> your... Time for you to unleash your life. <laughs> I, I, I knew that. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take a safe risk. Yeah. So let's start to make friends with things that are a little bit scary. And there's tons of safe risks you can take. You, again, you don't have to go and set up the, the, <laughs> the freeway with your tent. There's things like... Okay, so you, all of you who are listening probably have someone in your life. I really hope you have someone in your life that you really love who's made a huge difference for you. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a teacher or mentor. But you haven't for some reason, maybe just for fear, maybe because you've been lazy. Like That's something I am sometimes. You want to tell them, but you haven't. This is a great place to take a risk. Or with somebody that maybe you really love but you're not sure how they'll take it if you tell them, hey, I really love you and you really mean a lot to me. That's a safe risk. Yeah, that is a great one. And then our life has all kinds of these. Just these little things that we're scared to do. Mm-hmm. And we know deep down there's not huge repercussions if things don't go as we think. Stop and ask directions if you're lost. <laughs> That's a go. safe risk. <laughs> Talk to a stranger on the street. These are things that start to introduce us to this idea of, hey, I can I can reach out, I can try something that's a little bit uncomfortable, and we start to develop more adventurous spirit. Awesome. Action point number two. <sighs> okay, so here's what you do. <laughs> you know what it is, unless you are a Jedi ninja Buddhist monk, you have something in your life probably that you know is not real great for you. If you are one of those, I always say this, but like a Jedi ninja master, <laughs> I want to meet you. It's going to happen Hey, you're day. looking at it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> did you even see that coming? Oh, Nobody did. Nobody saw that coming. Kenton, honey, we got to stay focused. <laughs> so, okay, it's, so let's say... We've all got something. Oh, you, you drink a little bit too much alcohol. Or you eat too much ice cream. Eat too much ice cream. You drive a little erratically, or or there's something in your life. You eat. How about this? You eat out at fast food restaurants a little bit more than you really think you should. So, the the idea here is to take a look at some things that we've accepted as risks in our life without really researching them or understanding the dangers they hold. So do some research. If you eat fast food, do some research on fast food. What's really actually in that food Mm. what does it do to your body and then make a decision and say okay now i actually understand the real risks involved in eating big macs and weigh on one side the uh, benefits that you feel you get from eating big macs against the risks that you now understand and that's a good way to start looking at our blind spots. This brings more awareness to impermanence, to risk-taking, to the way we approach life. Mm -hmm. Because again, yeah, we often are just, we're eating Big Macs and then criticizing the person that goes and does skydiving. Or lives on lava. Or lives on lava. (laughs) And the Big Macs, they will kill you. Yeah, I think there's so many ways in which 
we are not quite honest with ourselves. We're not dishonest, but we just don't want to look at things. And this action point is asking us to use a risk that we are taking, maybe a negative risk, and we're using it as leverage to make a change. Mm. There's all kinds of different things out there. And again, you probably can think of one that, huh, you know, maybe I should really be honest with myself about that. Maybe, oh, gosh, if I decided to change, I would actually be healthier or happier or a number of other different things. When we start doing this, we often find that there's amazing treasure waiting for us mm-hmm. when we break free of some of these negative risks that are really dragging us down and you know fast food is a great example once we once any of our forest monks take some time off from fast food and then they go back and they taste it they're like mm-hmm. oh this is what was i eating this stuff before i don't understand it just makes me constantly want it it has no real flavor to it there's no enjoyment there's only a constant desire that it creates but we're not even aware of that because it's just normal to us so take a look at something or many yeah. things in your life oh gosh is. well and there's so many things that seem normal like no. not getting enough sleep just like well i've got to push through and stay up a little later because i've got to finish this I mean, we need sleep of course there's big ones like you know pain meds or other things that we might actually be addicted to but there's all those little normal things yeah putting ourselves off and saying oh gosh i'll just go the extra mile even though i'm exhausted and i need to rest it's just like there's so many different places where we think it's normal we could really <laughs> use a little self-love okay number three consider a big risk go for it all of you listening just so, make friends with the idea that <laughs> it doesn't have to look a certain way. Life kind of never looks the way exactly that we think it's going to. But that's kind of what's beautiful about it. Maybe you've already done this and you are living your dream and you're listening to this out of a sailboat because you've decided to sail around the world. Maybe you are in an office and you're listening to this hoping your boss won't Notice that you are not um, doing your work or that you're kind of multitasking. Don't get us in trouble, you guys. (laughs) And and that is a a sign that there is, what is it inside of you? There's something inside of you that wants to come out. There's that big thing, that big dream, that thing that you think only other people can have Mm -hmm. or could happen in their lives. But you know deep down inside that it could be yours. Yeah, I mean, maybe you do love your office job and it's great. You love your coworkers and you really love singing and you've always wanted to sing, but you're just too afraid to try out for the local choir. And it's like, just do it. Take a risk. See what happens and see what you learn. Think of it as a learning experience. I think the world is undergoing a shift where there is going to be less and less need for for what we consider to be, quote, regular work these days. And there's going to be more and more need for creativity, for the artist that's inside of you, the musician that's inside of you, the physicist that's inside of you, the mathematician, the skydiver. (laughs) Speaking of skydiving. (laughs) Is there something inside of you that just wants to come out? And what would happen if you entertained it for a while? You talked to your partner or you sat down with, yourself (laughs) and you said what would happen if i went for this because the world is waiting for your magic 
and we need you. We need your magic. There's just this one life. Let's go for it. Yeah, it's, as we've talked about, it's all a risk. So why not take one that's going to make you happy and see what happens along the way? Be open to the adventure. Tell us if you have made changes Mm -hmm. in your life, big or small. What are they? How did you get the courage? What helped you to get that going in your life? And also tell us if there's something you do want to change. Now, we talk to a lot of people all around the world. Seriously, if you do want to be that person on a sailboat, tell us. If you share, one of us might know someone or someone in the comments might know someone. And then all of a sudden, there's your launch pad. We believe in you. We do. And we love you. (laughs) Definitely. And as I said, I'm not doing the lava crushing. You are. So you better get back to that. I've totally got the vision of you in the bikini. No, I'm sorry. Come on. I have to have some water, but you have to. I don't think so. I'm giving him the look. Uh, uh, yeah, she's giving me the look. <laughs> Got myself in trouble there. <laughs> <laughs> Time to face the facts. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> All right, we love you. Mwah. Aloha. Mm-hmm.